0: This is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
1: The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC. A registered investment advisor.
2: Saturday morning, Dick Downey with you. It is Wolf Wake Up Live here on I Thank you for being with us today. And let's start out with our weekly wrap-up. We can say good riddance to September. It was not nice knowing you, which is often the case. This year, though, you were particularly mean, including this week's loss of the Dow, the NASDAQ, S&P 500, Russell 2000, the S&P mid 400, all declined. The S&P or Dow down 9%, NASDAQ down 10.5%, the S&P down 93 the Russell 2000 down 97 and the S&P 500 400 mid-cap was down 9.4%. This week had the same feeling of desperation as recent weeks have had. The desperation was rooted in concerns about rising interest rates, the extreme volatility seen in currency and bond markets, and worry about the global economy as headed into a recession. Aside from that, there was a nagging concern that the volatility across capital markets and the rapid increase in interest rates was going to lead to a financial accident that could have systemic implications. That worry was a major headwind. And it was given some credence when the Bank of England stepped in Wednesday to buy UK government bonds in a bid to restore orderly market conditions. That move by the Bank of England was reportedly precipitated by pension funds running into trouble with derivative positions that were leading were leading to margin calls and forced selling. The Bank of England was stated was slated to begin selling gilts this next week. It was forced to postpone that effort, and instead it will be carrying out temporary purchases of the United Kingdom government bonds between September 28th and October 14th. The stock and bond market staged a notable rally on Wednesday following the decision. The S&P 500 jumped nearly 2%, and the 10-year note pivoted from 4% down to 3.75%. The British pound also found some welcome support after hitting a record low against the dollar earlier in the week when the Bank of England held off from many support measures, saying only that it would make reassessment of matters at its next scheduled meeting. The untenable action in the bond market and mounting losses in pension funds, however, ultimately forced the Bank of England's hand. The good vibes from the Bank of England announcement were short-lived. On Thursday, Prime Minister Truss said that she was sticking with her tax plan, the announcement of which last week was the source of sharp selling of gilts and the pound. Everything was gained on Wednesday, and the stock market was given back on Thursday and then some. There are other factors in play for yet another losing week. One of the biggest overhangs was the weakness in Apple. It dropped 8.1% this week, with most of those losses coming on Thursday and Friday. The selling was attributed to worries about demand to, for the new iPhone. Bank of America Securities downgraded Apple on Thursday to neutral from buy, citing concerns about negative estimate revisions being driven by a weaker consumer demand. Apple's problems bled over to other mega-cap names, as well as supplier stocks, the major indices and a plethora of funds that hold it in a core position. The mega-cap growth ETF declined 3.4 percent this week, leaving it down 10.7 percent for the month. And the loss of leadership from Apple weighed heavily on investor sentiment and contributed to the S&P 500 breaking down to new lows for the year. Recent stocks, though, contributed to that breakdown, including Nike, which slumped 12.8 percent on Friday after reporting a huge inventory build buildup 44 percent year over year. Fiscal year first quarter, and warning that it expects to face continued gross margin pressures in their fiscal second quarter. Nike's challenges and earnings uh, warning from Rent-A-Car Center added to the market's showdown slowdown worries. The only sector to end the week with a gain was energy, up 1.8 percent. The remaining ten sectors recorded losses ranging from seven tenths to one percent for materials. Down to 8.8% for utilities. and It didn't matter. help matters this week that the Fed officials with speaking engagements spoke to the need to keep raising rates to get inflation under control. Cleveland Fed President Mester, who is an FOMC voter, arguably uh, had the most damning remark for the stock market, saying that policy rates are not yet at the restricted level. Separately, a high record. Uh, 10% year over year increase in, for CPI in the Eurozone seemingly solidified expectations for a 75 basis points, that's a three quarter percent uh, point hike by the ECB at its October meeting. The CPI number was out on Friday along with PCE price index for August. The latter showed a slight mod- moderation in the year over year rate to 6.2% from 6.4% in July. However, the core CPE price index, which excludes food and energy, jumped to 4.9 year over year versus 4.7 in July. That indication, coupled with lower initial job claims rating on Thursday, 193,000 since early May, continued to stroke concerns about the Fed pursuing an aggressive rate hike policy. This week also ended on a down note geopolitically. President Putin announced the unlawful annexation of four Ukraine regions on Friday that move would while not recognized by Ukraine and most other countries but since it is being recognized by Putin it will raise the temperature around the conflict since he has said Russia will use any means necessary including nuclear weapons if its territory is threatened although it's been a tough week end of the week which brought a tough end of the, a tough month to a close while leaving a lot of brothers and issues unresolved, the stock market deeper in bear market territory. So year to date, as of uh, yesterday, the Dow Jones Average is now down 20.9 percent. The Nasdaq down 32.4 percent. The S&P 500 down 24.8 percent, and the Russell 2000 is down seven tenths. I'm mean, down 25.9 percent. That seven tenths percent is for the week the wrong column here. Okay, let's talk about some of the highest frequency data that we cover every week. We saw initial jobless claims this week drop to 193000 That's as of September 33rd, 23rd. That's a 7.7% drop. It's also about 11.5% below where we were in 2019. Continuing jobless claims as of September 16th, 1347000 That was a decline of 2.1%. Box office receipts as of September 29th were actually up about 9.7% for the week. Rail car traffic was down about three tenths of 1%. Steel production was down about, or was up about six tenths of 1%. Uh, restaurants continue to improve as of September 29th, another eight tenths of 1% increase in restaurant usage. <coughs> we saw that uh, TSA checkpoint data as of September 29th. 2,070,440 passengers a day. That was a drop of 4% for the week. Supply of motor gasoline as of September 23rd was up about 6%. You wouldn't know that looking at the price of the pump. And the global commercial flight as of September 29th, 102,963 a day. That was an increase of 1.2% in the number of global flights. Rick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake of Live here in KGMI. We'll be back after a quick break. Thank you for
3: being with us. My name is Marcus Fierta, and I manage a small business here in Whatcom County called Western Solar. Every day I see firsthand the impact good jobs have on the lives of people. Sharon Shoemake is an economist and a mom who brings practical, real-life experience to the State Senate.
1: I became an economist to help people. Now I'm running for State Senate to fix our broken housing market, create jobs, lower taxes on working people, and build an economy that works for everyone.
3: Paid for by People for Sharon, Democrats.
0: Did you know that many of your neighbors are struggling to keep food on the table? In an average year, Whatcom County food banks feed 3,500
3: local families weekly.
0: Area food banks need your support now more than ever.
3: The Feed the Need Community Food Drive supports local food banks. Team up with Industrial Credit Union and Cascade Radio Group to help fight hunger.
0: A donation of just $10 can purchase $80 worth of food. Donate now through October 8th at Industrial Credit Union branches or online at industrialcu.org. Celebrate the savings on appliances, mattresses, and barbecues during DeWard & Bodie's 76th Anniversary Sale on now at all three locations in Bellingham and Burlington. For a limited time, get exclusive double rebates up to $1,000 on select appliance pairs and packages. These cashback rebates are only available at DeWard & Bodie and will save you up to $1,000 on select appliance bundles compared to big box stores. Don't miss this limited time offer to get double rebates on a huge selection of washer and dryer sets, refrigerators, dishwashers, ranges, cooktops, and so much more. Plus, keep the extra cash you'll save and pay no money down in no interest for up to two years on select appliances and up to six years on select mattresses. Don't miss exclusive double cashback rebates and special no-interest financing to get the biggest savings of the season. These special offers are only available at DeWard & Bodie. so celebrate the savings during the 76th anniversary sale in Bellingham, Burlington, and online at DeWardandBodie.com. Financing OAC, offer qualifications and restrictions Apply.
1: The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group.
0: And I'm proud to be an American.
2: Live County, with You County be this Saturday morning here on KGI. We're Asset Advisors. We're located out in Ferndale on the Pacific Highway. That's up north of the Slater Road on your right-hand side, heading north about halfway to Ferndale. We're at the Pacific Commerce Center next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway Suite 101, Ferndale. 98248, our phone number 360 1200 and check out our website at wealthwakeup.com and uh, just uh, a little pot here we're sitting, doing remote again this week, I'm actually over in that parking garage in Pullman, so you're getting ready to go to the Coug game against Cal, so uh, hoping it's a little better ending than we had last week against Oregon, that was kind of tough Okay, well we're seeing that remote work, remote work has drove over 60 percent of house price surge, according to a new Fed study. The shift to working from home drove more than half of the increase in houses and, uh, house and rent prices during the pandemic. and was likely to drive up costs and inflation going forward as the shift becomes permanent, according to research by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. Home prices rose 24% in the two years ending November of 21. More than 60% of that increase is attributable to the rise in work from home during the pandemic, a trend that has persisted, with 30% of work being done from home as of last month. This suggests that the fundamentals of housing demand have changed, such that the persistence of remote work is likely to affect the future path of real estate prices and inflation. The study adjusted housing data to account for the migration from expensive cities to more affordable areas that occurred during the pandemic found that for each 1% uh, percentage point increase in remote work results and about a nine-tenth of 1% percentage point increase in house prices The impact on rent prices has been identical. Kind of interesting numbers there to see what impact that has had. And talking about numbers, well, the state of Washington passed a new uh, transportation bill, and I guess, like a lot of things, they're going to make sure it gets paid for. But when you uh, sit down and you look at where some of that money is coming from, we're seeing that we've seen a Very sharp fee increases at the Department of Licensing. For example, a license plate, old fee used to be $10. Your new fee is $40, I'm sorry, but 400% increase. That took place as of July 1st of this year. A motorcycle license plate used to be $4. It's now $20. That's also a 400% increase, and that took place as of July a replacement license plate used to be $10, now it's $30, and that took place as of July 1st. We saw a stolen vehicle check fee, uh, $15 was your old fee, $50 is the new one, 233% increase. A dealer temporary permit fee used to be $15, now $40. And an enhanced driver's license, an additional fee, fee, and identification cards used to be $24. Now they're 42 That's a 75% increase. That takes effect today. An enhanced driver's license, an additional fee, and identity cards for eight years term, $32. The old one, now 56 bucks. So if you're going to renew your driver's license now, you're going to pay an extra $24. That's a 75 Increase and the license photo didn't know you're paying for those separately. You were paying ten dollars. You're now paying twenty dollars. That also took effect as a, a kind of interesting. And while we're talking about price increases and what's happening, I saw some really interesting numbers come out here this week that I thought were interesting and a little bit about what I guess you talk about with being shrink inflation, you know, most businesses don't like raising their prices, but at some point they have no other choice. But it's nerve wracking because you don't know how customers are going to respond. So they find a manner of ways to camouflage what they're doing, hoping that no one is going to notice that they're paying more. And they do this in a lot of ways with shrink inflation, which companies keep the prices the same, but they reduce the quantity that's sold. So let's look at a few examples of this one. Folgers container, 51 ounce container. The Folgers is now 43 and a half ounces. Nescafe Azera Americano coffee used to be 100 grams, is now 90. Kleenex boxes went from 65 tissues to 60. Walmart paper towels went from 168 sheets per roll to 120. Crest 3D White Radiant Mint Toothpaste went from 4.1 ounces to 3.8 ounces. Doritos went from 9.9 and 3 quarter ounces down to 9 and a quarter ounces. Most party-sized chips went from 18 ounces to 15 and a half. And Kobani... Flips yogurts went from 5.3 ounces down to 4.5. That's almost a 20% drop in the amount of quantity in that. Burger King chicken nuggets went from 10 chicken nuggets in an order to 8. Bounty triples, that's the paper towels again, 165 sheets down to 147. This is painful. I know my wife was really feeling this one. Tillamook ice cream went from 56 ounces to a carton down to 48 ounces to the carton. Used to be at a half gallon, you know, 64 ounces, 56 ounces, now 48. So now down to a gallon and a half, or a quart and a half, gallon and a half, quart and a half. Anyway, FD's Maga Pack, 90 bags to 80. Earth's best organic sunny day, eight bars per box to seven. Cottonelle Ultra Clean Care Toilet Paper went from 340 sheets to 312. Pantene Pro-V Curl Perfection Conditioner went from 12 ounces down to 10.4 ounces. Royal Chain is cans of cat food, 5.9 ounces to 5.1 ounces. Angel Soft, 425 sheets per roll. Down to 320. Now, that's almost a third. That's a big drop. caffeine free Diet Coke, Coke is now in 10 ounce cans instead of 12 ounce cans. Some of the shrinkflation amounts to basically 20 to 25% price increases in terms of the amount that you get for your money. And these changes don't fool CPI, which adjusts for quantities. They fool many customers, though, which could have long term costs when people see what happened and lose trust in their brand. So kind of interesting to see what's going on in that case. And then another little comparison here about price inflation and individualized experience. Of course, based on people's spending patterns, it's increasingly difficult to escape completely. Almost every category of living costs is rising in some degree. significant increases across the board. Sit down and take a look at it. And the full component of the Consumer Price Index just posted its largest annual jump since 1979. I'll leave you that good news. to think for a minute we'll be back after a quick break. Thank you for being with us.
1: Hi, it's Bry here at LFS Marine and Outdoor with an early fall fishing update. The Nooksack and Skagit
3: Rivers are seeing great return numbers of coho salmon. Excellent reports have been rolling in daily from anglers
2: on the water. So for the month of October, LFS is featuring a special on Blue Fox Vibrex lures.
3: Buy four and get one free. LFS also offers a huge selection of rain gear and boots to keep you warm and dry on your outdoor adventures. Open Monday through Saturday on Coho Way, Qualcomm Harbor, and Bellingham, Washington, or online at gotomarine.com. Contractors, developers, building owners, if your project needs fire sprinkler installation, call Columbia Fire. Marty Boonstra here with Columbia Fire, your true one-stop shop for fire sprinkler design, installation, and maintenance. We've protected the Northwest for over 35 years, and we always put our clients first. You name it, we've done it. Schools, office buildings, industrial, and residential, too. For fire sprinkler installation, get on our schedule today at ColumbiaFire.net. That's ColumbiaFire.net. Trust is a powerful word,
0: but when's the last time you heard it referenced when talking about auto repair? Hi, I'm John Beebe, owner of Burlington Automotive. Woven through each of our team members is this core value, that we will deliver trusted auto repair. There is nothing less for us. Whether you're new to the area or simply looking for a new place to care for your vehicles, I assure you that Burlington Automotive will be a great choice for you. Thank you, Skagit Valley, for the many years of trusting us. Find out more about us at BurlingtonAutomotive.com.
3: This is Hans Urchinger-Davis of Lighthouse Mission Ministries. We see homelessness everywhere, but sometimes we miss the humanity of these precious neighbors, neighbors that struggle yet have incredible potential. Of course, there's a lot of complexity getting at the root causes of homelessness. It is a sort of rocket science, but the mission is in this for the long haul. Our teams are trained and competent and caring every step of the way. Your support of this incredible project will break barriers, transform lives, and build our community together. Give today at thelighthousemission.org and join this fight to end homelessness for eternity.
1: COVID-19 has tested our communities in unthinkable ways. In the face of crisis, Puget Sound Energy has given over $18 million in bill assistance to customers impacted by the pandemic, and together with PSE Foundation, gave $4 million in community grants for COVID relief. All the while, PSE continues to lead on clean energy, with a goal to reach beyond net zero carbon emissions by 2045. It's our commitment to doing what's right for customers and communities. Together, we're creating a clean energy future for all, Learn more at psc.com slash together. The latest local
0: news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. A properly operating furnace will guarantee that you stay comfortable as the seasons change. Contact West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric for a system inspection today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com.
1: CBS News special report. Massive damage from Ian, especially along Florida's Gulf Coast. WTOP reporter Melissa Howell is in Port Orange.
0: The damage in our area was really bad. Brittany Morens lives in Port Orange and she still doesn't have power over in Orlando. It was quite an eerie feeling. Veronica Randall says the intense destructive winds and the flooding have destroyed part of her home. In other
1: parts of the state, neighborhoods completely leveled. President Biden fears Ian could be Florida's deadliest storm ever.
2: We're just beginning to see the scale of that destruction. It's likely to rank among the worst of the nation's and the worst in the nation's history.
1: At least 28 deaths associated with Ian. The storm is now a post-tropical cyclone and heading north. Future radar shows a lot of rain spreading along the I-95 corridor. And this weekend, right into the northeast, it's not leaving our shores till sometime early Monday morning. That's the Weather Channel's Mike Betts. CBS News Special Report. I'm Linda Kenyon.
0: Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA.
2: Welcome back to World Breakup Live. Dick Donahue, we do this Saturday morning here on KGMI. You know, the Carson Group, which I'm part of, uh, puts out some really good interesting things on some research things, and this week they put out a piece that's available on our website, and also if you want it, you can give our office a call, 360-733-1200. I'll be glad to email you a copy of it to you. Some really great charts in here. I can't go through them all sitting here talking on the radio, but I can certainly skim through some of the highlights, and that's what I'm going to do. So, I'm going to try to answer these 10 questions about a bear market. Uh, you know, it's been really a difficult year for investors so far. It's likely that many of people do have questions. So some of the common questions we're going to hear, is, for example, is just how bad has this year been? Well, we can't sugarcoat things. 22 has been a rough year. Bonds historically have done well, but stocks don't. But this year isn't happening. In fact, the five previous times that the S&P 500 lost 10% or more for the year, bonds as measured by the Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index gained every time, up 7.7%. But with the SP p index down 24.8% for the year, bonds are also down almost 14%. Only 2008 was the year first worst year for what we call a 60-40 portfolio, which is 60% stocks and 40% bonds. So people think that we should bail out and high-go-hide hide bond market right now. It isn't working this time around. Second question is, my bonds are down a lot. How bad has it been? Well, yields have soared this year on higher inflation expectations and a hawkish Federal Reserve. As a result, bonds have been performing poorly. Yields and bond prices historically trade inversely. The Bloomberg U.S. Aggregate Bond Index is currently down almost fourteen percent, far and away the worst year historically since nineteen seventy-six. So to put things in perspective, if I had never been down, it had never been down two years in a row, which will likely happen this year. The previous worst year was a two point nine percent drop in nineteen ninety-four. So twenty-one bonds were down almost one point nine percent. Now we're adding another. 14 percent, and we may not be done yet because we do expect interest rates to continue to move up. The third question we had is why shouldn't I just sell everything right now? Well, stocks historically haven't done very well for the first few quarters of any midterm election year, but they do quite well once the midterm election is over. In fact, since World War II, the S&P 500 has been higher a year after the midterm election every single time a 14.1% on average, much better time could be coming, and fairly soon. Now I'm going to spend some time going through some of these electrical, elect, election year returns and results. But one final reason to remain optimistic and not sell now is the data shows that stocks have historically tended to perform well after mid-year uh, lows since 1950, the S&P 500 has gained more than 32% on average off the lows. It has never been lower a year later. Never since 1950. That's over 70 years. The June lows are not far away from current levels. Should new lows be made, it could be another positive for investors going out a year or more. So time to start looking maybe at the long term, not the short term. Looking at a chart here, we see that Mid-year term, see the largest inter-year pullback. For example, the S&P 500, the average um, pullback for the first year in office has been about 12.9%. Uh, the S&P return year after that low has been up about 12%. Then the midterm year, which would be the election year, the average has been down about 17.1%. But as I said earlier, the average is up almost 32%. Then the pre-election year, typically the third year uh, as a whole, has also been up about 15.9%. And the election year returns generally have also done very well, up an average of almost 18%. So basically, you know, the question is, should we have seen this trouble coming? You know, and although the size of the drops, drop in stocks and bonds is surprising, To see some weaknesses this year wasn't overly surprising. Some of the worst quarters of the four-year cycle took place during this year. The second year, so that's this year, under a new president, tends to be quite weak as well. The good news is how well stocks historically do that following year. So again, I'm going to go through some numbers here. Um, If you have a reelected president, typically in their first year in office, the markets have been up about 9.6% you have a new president, they're up about 6.8, and the average total return has been about 7.9%. Now, second year, with a reelected president, his average, his average has been up almost 6.8%. Um, uh, new president, up about 2.4. That's the second year of a president. And then in the average year, it's about 4%. Now, going out into the third year, The reelected president doesn't do quite as well. They're up about 12 percent, but typically the third year of a new president sees an average gain of over 20 percent. And then you go out the fourth year, fourth year typically of a reelected president has been down the uh, fourth year of a new president is is up over 13 percent. So some interesting numbers there as far as what happens year to year, the political cycle. So my fifth question that we had is what should we do now that stocks are in a bear market? Well, there's an old saying, stock market is the only place where when things go on sale, everyone everyone runs out of the store screaming. Things are no doubt on sale. Investors have a long enough investment horizon, may want to look at this weakness as a potential opportunity. We think, continue to think, the economy isn't in a recession. So that likely means stocks won't fall significantly from here. Historically, the bear markets that took place without a recession showed stocks falling about 24% on average. That's where we are today. In fact, only once did stocks fall more than 30%, always without a recession. That was during the 1987 flash crash that we had. And and near more midterm pain is always possible, but a major low we think could be. Quite near, so it is interesting and something to keep an eye on. Um, and basically, this bar and bear market has been pretty normal so far. Um, we look at past history; the average bear market again down about twenty-four percent. It covers about seven months period of time. So uh, we're pretty much right there right now with that. Maybe a little bit over that as far as the time lane. Actually, up to about nine months because it started down in January. The sixth question is, what could happen once the bear market is over? Well, no one knows when this current bear market will end. We do think it could be fairly soon, but we should be open to significant gains coming off of the bear market lows. So again, as I indicated before, there are eight markets going back to 1987 that were bear markets, and the average correction was down over 30%. But one year after the return, the average return was up over thirty percent, which means basically we got back most of that low, and the two-year return off the after the low was typically up about thirty-seven percent. So, usually a pretty good bounce when we get back to that point. Uh, the seventh question is: The Fed going to break something, or when will they stop start, stop hiking? Um, well, the Fed has made it very clear that they would be okay with some pain, think a mild recession, to put a lid on inflation. No easy answer here. Chairman Powell knows history and knows the Fed didn't increase rates enough to keep them high for long enough in the 1970s, which led to massive inflation in the late 70s, early 80s. The truth is the Fed might break something, and it might be part of their plan. Looking back at previous eight rate hike cycles uh, show that the Fed hikes um, until rates get above the headline CPI number, after with inflation still running at 8.3, rates are at three and a quarter, more hikes would be in the cards, And the Fed's latest projection suggests that we'll see at least another one and a quarter to one and a half percent basis hikes as far as the rate hikes ahead of us here. The eighth question is, will inflation ever come back down? Recent CPI numbers disappointing. Slowing prices for many people and services at the consumer level were increasing more than they expected good news is various other inflation measures are coming back quickly. In many cases, for starters, energy prices have fallen, and many cases are lower than before the war started, which is a good sign. Meanwhile, supply chains are improving, and there's a new survey that's the New York Fed that shows this. One of the main reasons we are optimistic inflation could be about to come down quickly is used car prices are moving, rapidly dropping. Recent Mannheim used car value index dropped 4% last that's one of the largest drops ever. Used cars make up a large part of inflation readings. This should provide a nice tailwind going forward. And number nine are we in a recession right now? Well, the odds of recession in 23 have unquestionably gone up as the Fed continues to raise hikes. But currently, we do not see the economy in a recession. The main reason is the employment backdrop is so strong. More than 3.5 million jobs created this year one of the most ever and not at all recessionary. Additionally, industrial production has been very strong, another important component to the economy. Every consumer spending, even consumer spending, has remained stubbornly strong amid all the concerns. Now there are obvious worries as consumer confidence has been very low, but it's improving. And currently we think this is one of the more mid-cycle slowdowns versus the start of a recession. So what could happen after the midterm election? Well, one thing we try to stress uh, with our Carson research team is not to mix politics with investing. Many investors didn't like President Obama, and missed out on significant gains. Others didn't like President Trump and missed out on gains. So turning to the midterms, we know that the party that lost the, lost the prior presidential election is the motivated party. They tend to gain four seats in the Senate, 30 in the House. Should the pattern hold again, Republican Republicans take both chambers of Congress, this is the very best scenario for stocks. The Democratic president and Republican-controlled Congress has seen the S&P gain more than 16 percent on average during the calendar year. In fact, we saw this in the late 1990s under President Clinton. What if the Democrats keep control of the Senate? This is about a clean flip by the odds makers. And the good news is Democratic president and a split Congress is also a very totally scenario. Johnny Hugh with you a well wake up again if you want uh, live if you want copies of this report you can get it on our website There's a lot of really good charts there or you can give me a uh, you can give me a call 360-733-1200 and we'll email you a copy thanks and we'll be right back ready to put some skin in the game the
0: only sports book north of Snohomish County is now open at Silver Reef Casino Resort Get in the game with baseball, football, basketball, hockey, and your other favorite sports. Visit Portage Bay Sportsbook and Bar and place your bets today. Sportsbook open daily at 9 a.m. Betting kiosks open
3: 24-7. Silver Reef Casino Resort, located off I-5 exit 260. We've got that. What does your dream getaway have? Luxury hotel
0: rooms, elegant suites, and relaxing spa? We've got that world-class wine spectator award-winning steakhouse we've got that washington's premier golf destination we've got that how about the newest slots table games and exciting promotions oh yeah we've got those too visit silver reef casino resort and hit the getaway jackpot silver reef casino resort located off i-5 exit 260 we've got that
3: from heat waves to flooding record cold to labor and supply shortages last year was a doozy let's take this year head on with a silver shield membership so you and your home are ready for whatever the coming seasons have in store hi i'm john barron owner of barron heating ac electrical and plumbing Achieve peace of mind with your HVAC electrical and plumbing equipment, bringing it back to its original operating specifications with a Baron Silver Shield membership. Things happen, especially when the weather turns. As a Silver Shield member, you'll receive worry-free whole home coverage, including a performance maintenance, service and equipment discounts, priority scheduling, and more. So prep for fall now before the weather changes. Sign up for Silver Shield and save up to $1,000 on a whole home generator love your light when the block goes dark. Visit BaronHeating.com for details. Baron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives.
0: If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife.
2: Welcome back to We'll Wake Up Live, the county here with you this Saturday morning. Again, if you got questions for us, give us a call, 360 733 1200. Kind of an exciting Mariners game last night. They finally clinched that playoff berth. We were driving over here over East of the Mountains, so we were listening to the game all the way over and the post game, and uh, really kind of exciting. Of course, I've been a long time Mariners season ticket holder, as most of you have been. But uh, good to see them pull one out and get to where they keep battling for so many years and not quite making it there. Anyway, let's talk about jobless claims. That they fell unexpectedly to the lowest since eight, late April. Applications for U.S. unemployment insurance dropped to a five-month low, led by a decline in Michigan, suggesting that robust demand for workers amid economic uncertainty. Initial unemployment claims decreased 16,000 to 193,000 for the week ending September 24th. After downward revisions in the prior week, the Labor Department data showed Thursday, the median estimate in Bloomberg's Survey of Economists called for 215,000 new applications. So that was a big drop below what was expected. In this decade that that preceded the pandemic, initial claims averaged about 306,000. Rarely dropping under 200,000. The four week moving average, which smooths out volatility from week to week, fell for a fifth week to 207,000. And continuing claims fell to 1.35 million in the week uh, ended September 17th, which is also a historic low. Jobless claims have remained at historically low levels in recent months as employers still try to fill millions of open positions while retaining the workers that they already have. Half of American-lead jobs were plentiful in September, according to data released on Tuesday. Still, hiring is expected to weaken as the Federal Reserve continues to aggressively raise interest rates in its effort to bring inflation back. The impact from the hikes, which have already sent borrowing costs soaring for houses and cars, will likely work its way through the economy over the next few months and lead to higher unemployment. On an adjusted basis, Initial claims decreased more than 12,000 to 156,000 last week. Michigan posted the biggest decline with more than 5,600, reversing a large gain in the previous week that included layoffs in the manufacturing industry. New Jersey and New York have reported drops in claims. A gap in the government's two primary measures of U.S. economic activity during the first half of this year narrowed, pointing to a significant loss of momentum during that period according to data that was also released on Thursday. And of course we're all aware of what's happening with gas prices especially here in this last couple of weeks of I enough mean, almost that to fuck a gallon it's gone crazy but let's talk about who gets hurt high gas prices and diesel prices and there is really more harm than what we think there is. So high, high gas and diesel prices like those we're experiencing, do have a lot of sweeping negative economic impacts on Americans. Beyond the financial hit at the pump, the economic harm is inflicted in many ways that are not evident to most. For example, prices for goods such as food, clothing, household goods are higher than they otherwise would be since gas and diesel play an important role in supply chains, and they could be higher costs and reduced services for critical functions like police, emergency medical services, because their reliance on fuel to carry out their duties. Americans have recently experienced their first-hand prices have skyrocketed. As of the week of September 12th, retail prices for regular gasoline averaged about $3.69 a gallon. Obviously, they've gone up quite a bit in the last week or so, but that still was 54% higher than when President Biden took office back in January 21. Diesel prices are 84% higher. Every just under or just above five dollars a gallon, and those are below the record highs that we saw this past summer. There, let's talk about explaining some of the importance of motor gasoline and diesel in general, and highlight some of the harms caused by these significant higher prices. But first of all, let's talk about the importance of motor gasoline and diesel. The energy affects almost every facet of our life. The data shows just how critical gasoline and diesel are. One of the most important energy sources is petroleum, which is an Energy Information Administration Explains. historically been the largest major energy source for total U.S. annual um, energy uh, consumption. Petroleum uh, is used to create many products, including motor gasoline, diesel. And in 2021, petroleum met around 90 percent of Americans' transportation needs. Motor gasoline is the most consumed petroleum product, accounted for about 44% of U.S. petroleum consumption. Distillate fuel oil, which includes diesel fuel and heating oil, was the second most consumed in product in 2021, which is about 29% of total consumption. Diesel fuel, of course, is used for transportation such as buses, boats, trains, some cars. It's also used for heavy construction equipment, tractors, and electricity generation. So let's talk about the harm that this is creating for, higher, for American families. Cars play a, a, a central role in the lives of most Americans, enabling them to engage in their daily lives, from going to work, taking children to school, to shopping, and visiting relatives. Census data showed that 92% of American households have access to at least one vehicle. Higher gas prices make it more difficult to engage in these ordinary life activities. Some of the far left have arrogantly dismissed the harm caused by higher gas prices. For example, last year, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg captured the left's electric vehicle elitism when he touted electric vehicles as a solution to high gas prices. But this ignores the high costs and practical problems of electric vehicles. And despite the decades of subsidies, including the Department of Energy data, electric vehicles consumed constitute only about a half of 1% of all vehicles registered in 2021. For example, electric vehicle sales last year were very low, accounting for less than 5% of overall vehicle sales. So regardless of this extreme wish to seat the demise of gas-powered vehicles, the reality is that most Americans rely upon motor gasoline to power their cars. High gas prices not only hurt Americans, regardless of income level, they also disproportionately hurt the lowest-income households, and most because households spend a greater share of their after-tax income on meeting basic needs purchasing gasoline. For those lower-income households, the sacrifices they're required to make due to high prices may not simply mean giving up luxury, but they're also giving up necessities, such as whether to visit the doctor or run, or run the heat in colder, colder weather. There's also evidence indicating that rural households are disproportionately affected by high gas prices. This is due in part because rural Americans have to travel further distances uh, and tend to drive older, less fuel-efficient vehicles. Based on the Iowa State University study, rural households spend about 20 percent more than urban households on gasoline and diesel. So uh, this is harming the economy. And the harm to Americans when filling their gas tanks is only part of the picture. High gas and diesel prices drive up costs for industries across the country. This can lead to consumers incurring some costs through higher prices for many goods and services. One useful example is to look at the trucking industry. Because the clear impact on diesel prices can have on industry and the industry's far-reaching effect on the entire supply chain and on the economy. Of the 15 million registered commercial trucks in the United States, 76% are diesel-powered. The trucking industry is responsible for transporting approximately 72% of U.S. goods based on value. Or, according to the latest data from the U.S. Census Bureau, $10.4 trillion of the $14.5 trillion of value of all goods shipped in the United States back in 2017. The trucking industry transports goods ranging from pharmaceutical products, plastic and rubber, and vehicle components to meat, poultry. High diesel costs can hit truckers especially hard. Since the trucking industry is predominantly comprised of small businesses, about 92% of motor carriers are operating a fleet of six or fewer trucks. Approximately 97% of the fleet have 20 or fewer trucks. As truckers have indicated, high diesel prices could significantly reduce their mileage or hours, and in some circumstances potentially lead them to stop driving altogether. As it is, the American Trucking Association argued that in 2021, the trucking industry was already short about 80,000 drivers. And fewer truckers or less driving would increase costs for businesses that utilize truckers to transport their goods due to basic supply and demand laws. Further, to the extent that truckers can pass on their costs, that would mean higher costs for their business customers who can pass them on to those of us that are consumers, which is pretty much every one of us. It's also harm to first responders. The effect on first responders provides a good illustration of the cost of high, what high fuel is doing. Significant price, fuel price surges could lead police forces to adjust budgets, make cutbacks, reduce driving and market cruisers, and all those other good things that we see going on, Conclusion. From gas used for cars and diesel used to operate farm, farm equipment transport goods across the country, the allies of Americans benefit tremendously through these fuels. This has been Dick Down you with you with Well Place Live here at KMI. Don't forget our Sunday show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Again, if you've got questions for us, give us a call, 360-733-1200. Thanks, and have a great week.
1: in Wealth Wake Up With Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up With Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.